I thought you would want to rejoice with me on what uh, God did last Sunday. Our focus was on missions uh, as we looked at what every Christian needs to know about missions. So I, I, I wanted you to know about how you as a church have responded. <clears throat> so let's begin with this. This month, our goal for Renewal Church, we focused our attention on Renewal Church in our giving for missions in September. We set a goal of $45,000 for that month. You gave $72,368.05. I thought you'd want to know that. But I'm not done. Uh, gifts so far through last Sunday to renewal are in excess, or they're nearly $124,000. And you have made pledges that you made, most of you made last Sunday, totaling $151,797, bringing the total when you put pledges that will come in and gifts that have already been given to $275,558.85. How about that? Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Now, we've also already received for Faithful God, Faithful Future, $290,582.48. And we haven't even said anything in the last two months. But that's coming next Sunday. So be sure you're here. And thank you for your gifts. And the lifeblood of the church is our budget. So surely the budget suffered last week because you were giving so much to missions. Wrong. You gave to the budget last Sunday $89,694.45. Praise God. You're you're an incredible church family, and I thank God for you. Thank you for all that that you're doing. Father... um, We just thank you for the responsiveness of God's people in stewardship. Thank you for last Sunday being such an incredible day. And Father, we we need that to happen again today. And so I pray that you would bless. May we sense your presence and power in this room. May we be faithful stewards of what you've entrusted to us. Draw someone to yourself that they might come to know Jesus today. We'll celebrate the Lord's Supper in a few moments, and I pray that, um, Father, we will remember vividly, remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. So bless us now. We love you and adore you. In Christ's name, amen. Please open your Bibles to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. We're in a, in a series on what every Christian needs to know. We've talked about a lot of things like, are you, are you a Christian for certain? What does every Christian need to know about the Bible, about God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, about prayer, about how to grow, uh, about um, the church and, and baptism and last Sunday, what does every Christian need to know about missions? So today, I, I give you one guess as to what we're going to talk about, and can you guess what we're going to talk about? What does every Christian need to know about the Holy Spirit? I mean, about the Lord's Supper. Wow. <laughs> I was just testing you, just testing you. <clears throat> so, 
Let's read the scripture. Stand with me, please. Matthew 26, beginning with verse 17. So here we go. Verse 17 of chapter 26. On the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after another, surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Then Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And you may be seated. So I want us to think for a few minutes about what every Christian should know about the Lord's Supper, and then we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. If you're our guest today, we're so glad you're here. If you are a Christ follower, you've trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, then when we celebrate, we invite you to celebrate with us. If you are not yet a follower of Christ, not yet a believer, then we ask you to watch and observe and pay careful attention to what we say and what we do, and it will give you a witness and an idea of what it means to be a Christian, and our hope is that you will give your heart to Jesus as Savior and Lord. So as we think about what every Christian should know about the Lord's Supper, five things. And the first is this. There is an Old Testament connection. There is an Old Testament connection. And that Old Testament connection is twofold. First of all, Passover. Jesus and his disciples celebrate Passover. Uh, According to Jewish custom and according to their custom, they are all Jews. They're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, uh, the Passover, and Jesus will institute the Lord's Supper. They planned it in advance. Jesus has planned it in advance and uh, goes to tell his disciples, get everything ready. And then when he comes with the rest of the disciples, they celebrate Passover and he institutes the Lord's Supper. Now, what is Passover Passover is a remembrance. Passover is a celebration. Passover is a reflection upon God setting his people free, setting the Jewish people free from slavery in Egypt. 400 years of horrific slavery and God rescues them. God sets them free and Passover is a celebration. It is particularly a celebration of the night in which the death angel passed over the homes uh, of the Jews uh, who had the blood of the lamb painted on the doorpost and did not take the life of the eldest child in that in that household but he took the eldest child in the home of the egyptians as the tenth of the horrific plagues that fell to the egyptians and so the jews celebrate passover it's the highest celebration for the jewish people and that night as they celebrated 
Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper and he said to his disciples, keep on doing this until I come again. They couldn't fully comprehend what coming again meant because he's still there. They don't really fully comprehend that he's leaving. But he says, do this until I come again. We understand that 2,000 years this side of the cross. And so for 2,000 years, the church has been celebrating the Lord's Supper. So there is an Old Testament connection, Passover. But there's another Old Testament connection, and that is the eating in God's presence. Eating in God's presence. And I want us to think about that for just a, a couple of minutes. There are several Old Testament instances where... God's people eat in the presence of God. One of those is found in the 24th chapter of the book of Exodus, where God has just given to Israel the Ten Commandments. They are at the the foot of, of Mount Sinai. They're camped at Mount Sinai. God calls the leaders up to the mountain to meet with him, and they see God And then they eat and they drink in his presence. Here's how it is worded in the scripture. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up. God had commanded them to. And they saw, they saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli, as bright as bright blue as the sky. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and they could have died right there. But God does not raise his hand against them. He invited them to come up. And so they ate and they drank in the presence of God. What an amazing moment that must have been. Then every year the people of Israel were commanded to tithe off of their crops. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 14 we read about that beginning with the 22nd verse god tells them to tithe off of everything that they have and then he tells them to eat of that tithe and eventually he gets to the the 26th verse of that chapter and he says then you and your household shall eat in the presence of the lord your god and rejoice you will eat in the presence of the lord your god and you will rejoice Another instance would be to reflect upon the, the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve before there was sin. They were created to, to, to have fellowship with God and to bring glory to God. And, and so every meal that Adam and Eve would have taken in the Garden of Eden would have been a meal of feasting in the presence of God. So the, the, the Old Testament meals of sacrifice were continually pointing to the fact that sins were not yet paid for because these sacrifices had to be offered over and over and over again. And in the sacrifices, they are looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. So that brings us to the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is then a reminder that Jesus has made the payment for that sin. It has been accomplished. It is finished. So that now we eat in God's presence with great rejoicing. And the Lord's Supper looks forward to an even better fellowship meal which will take place in God's presence according to Matthew chapter 26 verse 29 and Revelation chapter 19 and verse 9. And it is good for us today 
in this place, in this room, it is good for us to recapture the sense of the Lord's Supper being done in His presence in this very room. As we celebrate, remember, we are here, but He is here also. And so the Lord's Supper is a celebration done in the presence of the Lord. There's something extraordinary about this celebration. It's probably why we as Baptists are maybe more formal on this celebration than anything else we do. We're we're pretty laid back and formal. I mean, that's sort of the way we are. This is different, and it's celebrated in the presence of the Lord, and let's capture that this morning. Now, I hasten on. There's something else that every Christian needs to know about the Lord's Supper. There, there's a meaning to this. So quickly, here, here is the meaning. First of all, the death of Christ. This focuses, we sang about it a minute ago. This focuses on the death of Jesus. It is a picture of his death on the cross. The bread represents his body. The the, the fruit of the vine represents his blood. And we participate in the benefits of his death, not only this morning, but every day of our Christian life. So this is about the death of Christ. It also is about spiritual nourishment this is a symbolic celebration the normally bread and fruit of the vine nourish us physically this bread and this fruit of the vine symbolize the spiritual nourishment that is ours in Christ Jesus and and Jesus put it this way in John's gospel the sixth chapter, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors, speaking to the Jews, ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. So do you, do you see the connection? The bread that we take in a moment represents his body. And Jesus says, those of us who partake of his body will live forever. So today we are receiving spiritual nourishment. That's what this is about. It is about the death of Christ. It is about the symbolic picture of the spiritual nourishment that is ours in Jesus. There's another sense of a nuance or sense of meaning about this celebration and that's unity that is unity in first corinthians chapter 10 verse 17 paul writes because there is one loaf we who are many are one body for we all share the one loaf that is christ so there is unity in this celebration today 
I participate, you participate. In doing so, we come into his presence. We remember his death for our sin. We acknowledge that we participate in the benefits of that death. We receive spiritual nourishment and we understand that you and I are united with other believers in this room. We are united with other believers who are celebrating in the same way that we are this morning. And that's a cause for thanksgiving. That unity that is here is a cause for thanksgiving. Now, another meaning of this celebration is identification. It, identification Make no mistake about it. Participation means identification. Participation in this supper means identification with Jesus. We are affirming, I am a recipient of his love. I am a recipient of his blessings. And I identify with his eternal family. And I identify with Jesus. Publicly, outwardly, openly, I'm not hiding and I'm not crawling under the pew. I'm not ducking into a closet. I am openly, outwardly partaking, and by that I am identifying with Jesus. I belong to Him. Now, another meaning of this is is celebration. Celebration. It's not the kind of celebration where we shake pom-poms and scream and yell like I thoroughly enjoyed doing last night <clears throat> as UMHB defeated Hardin-Simmons. Shall I talk more? I will stop there. It's not that kind of celebration. It's an even better celebration. It's quieter. Yes, it's quieter. But it is a celebration where we say, my faith is in him. My faith is in Jesus. And, and I trust you, Jesus. You have forgiven my, my sin. You, you have given me eternal life. And I proclaim it today in celebration. It, it may be a quiet celebration, but it is a joyful, joyful celebration where we are celebrating Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now, there's a fourth thing about what every Christian should know about the Lord's Supper, and that is there are reasons to celebrate. Now, we've talked about the meaning, but there are reasons to celebrate. And quickly, here they are. First of all, invitation. We are invited by Jesus himself to do what we're going to do in just a moment. Can you imagine that? Jesus invites you and me to do this. So that's a reason to celebrate. Jesus invites us. It is an act of obedience because in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Jesus calls the words that follow, including the words about the Lord's Supper, he calls them directives. And in any language, directives means this is something you're supposed to do. So we are being obedient as we celebrate this morning. Do this in remembrance of me, he says. So this is 
invitation. It is obedience. And then the third word that is a reason to celebrate is remembrance. Remembrance. We are invited to a memorial. And memorials spur our memories. We need them because we are forgetful. And so this celebration helps us to not be forgetful about the most important thing that ever happened in the history of the world. We remember it. It is a, it's a memorial. And when you remember, you know what usually happens? We talk. We talk. It is meaningful. We remember. So we talk about what we remember and we give witness. A few, um, about a month ago, uh, Sharon and I took some of our grandkids and we went to East Texas and visited. We hadn't seen one of her aunts and some cousin in, in a long, long time. So we visited with them and we all went to two cemeteries in Athens. One is where Sharon's parents are buried, buried, we took our grandkids. We showed them. And what do you do? You start remembering and you start talking and you start laughing. And you remember, do you remember this? Do you remember that? The grandkids are listening and they're learning things that they didn't know about people they didn't know. Then we went to another cemetery and found the graves of my wife's grandparents and other relatives. And again, we talked, the grandkids looked and they listened and we remembered. Today, we remember. And when we remember, we express ourselves. And that expression may be in a witness to somebody later today. It may be in prayer of gratitude while we're in this room, but we, we, we verbally express what we remember. And then the fourth word is witness. Show forth the Lord's death till he comes. He says in 1 Corinthians 11, show forth means to proclaim. It means to witness. It means to preach a sermon in a matter of speaking. So we're all preaching today as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. I am a Christian. And this is worth celebrating. And the last words are examination and confession. Something we ought to do on an ongoing basis, examine our hearts and confess sin. But today is extra special. This morning we, we reflect, we examine our hearts, and then we listen to the Holy Spirit. And if there is sin that needs to be confessed, we do it. And God desires that we confess our sins so much that in the quietness of the moment, if we ask him to remind us of sin that needs to be confessed, he'll do it. I guarantee you he's not going to say, no, I'll do that three weeks from today. He's going to do it right now. And you'll know, you'll know, and you have the opportunity to confess. Now, before we celebrate, one one more thing about the meaning of the Lord's Supper. Participation is open yet limited. Participation is open yet limited. This celebration is open to every believer in this room. 
But the invitation to celebrate is also limited to every believer in this room. But there is another invitation. And that is the invitation to increase the number of celebrants. That is to increase the number of people who are invited to celebrate. And that would be where you who do not yet know Jesus give your heart and life to the Savior. And so that's what every Christian needs to know about the Lord's Supper. And before we celebrate, we have our time of invitation. There's someone in this room who needs Jesus. And if that person is you, then you know that right now because the Holy Spirit is wooing, calling, and drawing you to himself. And so when we stand in a moment, Brother Gary will lead us in our invitation hymn. And to give your heart to Jesus, leave your seat, come and place your hand in mine and say, Pastor, I need Jesus. A member of our staff will be here to pray with you. You can come into a personal saving relationship with Jesus this very morning. To those who've already done that and you're getting ready to celebrate, let the Spirit of God speak to your heart, examination and confession, and then let's be spiritually ready to do this in just a few moments. Father, now we, we love you. We pray that in the quietness of this moment you would draw someone to yourself, that the, a man, a woman, a boy, a girl might come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God speaks to your heart. You come as we stand and sing.